Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet again another adventure here on the podcast. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and once again joining me for adventures and AI, space land, weird stuff, my good friends, Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant Commander David. How are you gents doing? back to it we, we just naturally went right back to it <laughs> all right i'm just yeah. gonna edit that right out right okay magic of editing um no i'm doing good holiday season is over we we really didn't get to have christmas because my uh, my niece we went over there i went over um to my brother and his wife's house on christmas eve and we had dinner, and then I, uh, I, I was there at night. They put their kids to bed, and their daughter got up. She was throwing up and pooping all over mm-hmm. herself, and they ended up having to take her to the hospital, right? Uh, and uh, so they are like, That's yeah, we're good. just canceling. We're just canceling Christmas morning because, <laughs> because of that. Dang. Dang. I'm sorry to hear that, Eric. Yeah, it turns out it was just uh, food poisoning, but we're like... What did she eat that we didn't eat? They're like the only thing she ate that we didn't was watermelon. So who knows what <laughs> you can get food poisoning from watermelon, but that's what the doctor ended up saying it was, but they were, you know, in the hospital all night with her. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so no Christmas s- for me. I'm sorry to hear that, man. I'm sorry that your uh that your family didn't get to to do much and that there was um, sickness and hospital visits in the mix. Yeah, she's she's doing much better now, though. Good. And, uh, That's and, good. Uh, New Year's Day is my nephew's birthday. He's going to be one year old on New Year's Day. So that'll be, we're having a little, just a little birthday party, right? Okay. Get together for him. Right. He's one, so he doesn't really know what's going on, but. No, but on his 21st birthday, he's going to know what's up. That's for sure. (laughs) Good grief. Good grief. I don't know what it is, but, uh, my, one of my kiddos is, is not feeling too well either. They've got a, uh, a sore throat right now. And we ended up having to go to, um, go to like the urgent care and get some, some good old fashioned moxicillin. And hopefully that'll knock that stuff out. But fortunately, they're uh, negative for, for the Rona. They're negative for the flu. We still don't know about strep. Um, I'm personally, I think it has to do with all this crazy like weather change that we've been dealing with in Texas. Um, going from like one extreme to the next in very quick succession. Like almost like doctors' offices are inundated with like some of the same system, um, symptoms all over the place, man. It's it's crazy. It was Eighty degrees on Christmas Day here. It was, yeah. Up up here in um in the the north part of the quadrant, we were uh, we were at eighty four, and Fourth uh, of July uh, for twenty twenty one was eighty nine degrees. So we were only five degrees different from freaking Independence Day for crying out loud. How about them apples? Just saying. Yeah, but I mean, you know that song? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. No, no it's not. Lie. That was a lie. <laughs> That's a lie from the pits you know, of hell, you know right that, there. That meme. That meme. So anyway, that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Eric or not, not Eric? David's over there, just like shaking his head, like, mm, "Wow, must be great to be in Texas." Like, apparently. <sighs> yeah. 
well, I mean, it, it has been a little nicer up here. I, instead of like 20s and 30s, we've been like 40s and 50s, so, but not 80. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about um, about the rest of, of you guys, but um, there is supposed to be some kind of like winter storm, something or another coming in um, over, I think, in, uh, uh, New Year's Day, New Year's night, something like that. And by Sunday morning, in my neck of the woods, it's going to be like 22 degrees. Really? It's be nuts. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Which is weird for people listening to this because it's already happened. But magic of time travel, it's fine. It's fine. I'm trying really, really hard not to make it like stupid politically incorrect energy jokes about Texas over the last two points like oh boy everything's bigger in Texas including your climate change uh did you get your defrosters for your wind turbines yet I mean like I'm trying so hard hey I have I still have my ice scraper in the back of my car right I never take it out people are like what is that doing in there what do you mean, what is that doing in there? It's an ice scraper. Why it lives in here. Why? What are you talking about? Yeah, that's where it goes. It's like, you're not going to need that around here. Just you wait. You mm-hmm. never know. Boy yeah. Scout mo- the Boy Scout motto is, be prepared. Be prepared. That's <laughs> right. I am prepared. I have like two, actually. I have, I have two that I have left over from living in the Midwest. So, yeah. Um, it, it, it's wild. And like people like look at me, they're like, where'd you get that? And I'm like... Michigan. The gas station. <laughs> in Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> There's like one, it's got like a little fuzzy little glove. I feel like um, like I'm like straight out of like the 70s or something because it's like all, it's got like that like faux fur thing, like to keep your hand warm while you're scraping. It's great. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Lordy. Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. Well, anything besides, besides sickness, um, anything exciting going on in y'all's world? No. Okay. Well, do we want to talk about um, the exciting stuff that is Star Trek Discovery? Very exciting episode. Okay, cool. All right, everyone. So this is your final spoiler warning, red alert. We're going into spoiler territory as we talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 7, But to Connect. I had to throw in, like, those three dots. Yeah, yeah. But. But to Connect. Here we go. All right, so, guys, let me just start this off first. I've been making the comment that we've got, like, a little James Bond action going on, like, with the titles, where we have to incorporate the title into dialogue. The trend has kept going. The name of this episode has, in fact, made it into the dialogue, so we're still good. Where? Where? I didn't, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I didn't either. Ooh. Ooh. All right. So it's a part towards the uh, the middle to end of the episode where um, Captain Burnham is speaking to an, to the assembly and about hold on let me let me get the actual quote. For generations the federation has sought out new life, new civilizations, not to destroy but to connect even in the face of uncertainty. Okay, totally didn't catch that either time I watched so, this yeah. episode. We're seven for seven, everyone. It's it's in there. Here Yay. we go. Oh, sweet. Yay. Keep the streak alive. Super good. Yay. It's lucky. It's great. 
Okay, so the guys and I were, were kind of jibber-jabbering a little bit before we hit go, and this episode, if you've not watched it, is like straight up two meetings, two conference rooms, that's it pretty much. Just two conference rooms for the entire episode, which I'm sure Eric loves a good conference yeah. room sitting around talking but about in, problems. in neither conference room were we sitting down. I don't think they sit anymore in the future. Well, in this hold future, on. right? <laughs> so Kovic was. So Kovic is up yes. is here. He sat down the lo- in the lounge chair for a hot second. But I yes. think we're getting ahead of ourselves <laughs> okay. with with this. Okay. So um, we in this episode in But to Connect, we have we have these we have the findings that we had from Stormy Weather. You know, we're we're we've assembled to kind of talk about it collectively as a galactic community, basically and figuring out what we need to do next. In the meantime, we have this other problem that's come up in the form of Zora, becoming more and more sentient and becoming kind of problematic for the ship and its crew. So we've decided we have to kind of address the Zora thing, and we also have to address the DMA thing with the community, like with with uh, Starfleet and its, I guess, adjacent space neighbors, basically. So that's what we're doing. We're having two meetings. I don't care which meeting we start with. Well, like last week, we I was like, you know, we eventually at some point we're gonna have to talk about the Zora of it all. So you know, we talked about the Zora of it all last week, and like Chase, you brought up this point at the end, and you were like, "What happens if Zora says no?" <laughs> like, asked, like, did you see this episode already? Because you were like, you were literally like, "What happens if?" This is a living being now. What happens if she says no? <laughs> and right. here it's like, here we go. The very next episode, Zora is saying, nope, I'm not going to obey your orders, Captain. I'm going to do what I want. Right. And, and, and to pull a line straight from your playbook, let's back up for a second. So we've collected this data. We've extrapolated some stuff. Um, and we're trying to figure out like where the, this is actually originating from. And it's been roughly a week that this has been taking place, trying to calculate where the thing is. And uh, Stamets is just kind of being a little passive-aggressive about it. And Zora's like, oh, no, no, just give me another moment. Cool. And then, boom. Oh, I know where it's at. I'm not going to tell you. And then that's the that's where we're kind of at with, like, the computer deciding to say no, essentially. Burnham's like, I order you to tell me as the captain. And Zora's like, based on my knowledge of you, if I tell you where they are, you will go there, and that will put you in danger. And I don't want to mm-hmm. put you in danger. But also, it also kind of goes beyond just saying no. Zora has effectively rewritten her entire core programming. So any, it, essentially, she is the computer. There is no computer here. There is no protocol. There's no stopgap. There's no safety features. It is literally all a an emotional, fearing, thinking being. Mm-hmm. Right. She's developed something. They're like they toward the end. They like go in there and they find something that's not supposed to be there. And Zora like developed it, but not on purpose. They're like, 
is that her subconscious? Are those her dreams? And, like, these are the memories that she's having. And, uh, you know, because of all the things that they've been through this ship, she's like, now right. I'm a part of the family. And David is always talking about, well, this is not a, this is not a crew. This is a family. And now here we have the <laughs> ship is now part of the family. <laughs> and I, did, David did, is, like, did, rolling did the his whole, eyes. No, I was, the, the whole, like, Oh, this is all of her memories. Did, did that seem a little lame? Just like it's random like, shots of the ship. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's like, oh, hey, look, there's this thing that we don't know what it is. I just thought it was a part of a you know 900 year old ship, and all it is is just her own personal like scrapbook. That, Basically. That's <laughs> yeah. That's all it is. It's like. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm waiting for like Noonie and Soon to come down, like striking a hammer or something like that. You know, we can. Oh yeah, you yeah uh, yeah. No androids dreamed except like uh, that one. Um, you know, I I don't really remember. He's like a lieutenant commander. Don't worry about that guy. You could have Star Wars or Star Trek more Star Trek in there. Mm. <laughs> all the Star Trek, all the Star Trek. I just thought so it was. I just thought it was kind of a lame payoff. It's like, oh, so there's there's nothing. It's just a sentient sentient being. It's you found her, her little secret diary. Yeah. Ooh. I'm just curious, like, did, after watching, I know that the, that we're recording on the day that this episode came out, but did anyone else beside me go back and watch Calypso after this episode? No. No? I, I've seen Calypso once, like, two years ago. So I went back and watched it, and I don't know, like, I, I'm not sure if it added anything or not, but... Like, you could maybe, like, reverse engineer some of the stuff uh, to kind of explain, like, I don't know, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. We'll just leave it alone. But I, I went back and watched it, and I think I appreciated it more, and it made it a lot more creepy. That's for sure. I mean, to me, it was a little more creepy. So, anyway, the we have... Um, so... On to, so it so the the meeting with Zora is taking place on Discovery, and then the meeting with um, that Burnham and Saru um, and Book are all at. That's elsewhere, right? That's that's back at the car wash with a bunch of other assembled folks, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. But Kovic has has um, transported aboard the Discovery. Uh, we have um, Adira. We have Gray. Well, it's also shown up. Well, well, we don't at first. At first, we don't at first. Yeah, and I, I have something to say about that, but keep going. Just trying to identify the players that we have. Sure. In here, um, or was I? Um, you were. Anyway, we, to. we we have we have a bunch of folks that are that are essentially in um, the ready room, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it was it was Saru, Stamets, Adira, eventually Gray. And Culber. And Culber. And Culber. Yeah, and Culber. And Kovic, yeah. yeah. And we're all trying to figure out, like, how can we get on her good side? And we're kind of pantomiming, like, don't say anything. She'll hear <laughs> yeah. it. Stamets walks in and goes, play music. Can we all, Let's like, can we all get together? <laughs> and he's like, are you trying to, like, make it so she can't overhear us? And he's, like, got big eyes, yes. like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good that was, that yes, was I am. That of was course funny. I am. I mean, but like, yeah. Basically, Kovic is like, well, 
it's against the law for sentient computers to be on board Federation ships for some reason. Who knows why? He doesn't explain that To be one. fully integrated. Yeah. Like, it's against the law. So, if if I say that this she's too integrated, I'm going to have to rip her out of the ship. It's like, I mean, and then they're like, uh... The whole reason we're in the future is because we couldn't get the sphere data out of the ship. If we could have done that, we would never have had to come to the future. Oh, you know, right. technology's changed. Yeah, technology's you know. changed, right? A lot's changed in because 930 it, it, years. For, for the plot, right? Because the plot demands right. it. The plot demands it, yeah. One of my favorite lines now to use, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, you talk about the plot demands it. But I felt like in this storyline, they they utterly dropped the ball on the one thing that they spent so much time on in the last episode, and that was the integration of Gray as a character who is supposed to be the computer whisperer. They didn't use him at all. I mean, it, it was it was a complete waste of time bringing bringing them into into even into work that day. I mean, what was the point? Well, no. Here, even before we get there, it's it's. You know, Saru, the former captain, and now, I guess, technically the first officer, your chief science officer, right? Mm-hmm. Spore job guy, and your your counselor, I guess we're calling him now. Your ther- they call him a therapist in this episode. Right? Captain, and then, first officer, so, yeah, captain, doctor, it's all good. You don't and know then, And then, and then uh, <laughs> we've got, who knows what Kovis' job is? Like, really, what is this guy's job? I want to know what this guy's job is, but he's like the expert in all things. And he so, anyway, is the science. They're having a meeting. They're having a meeting, right? In right. the captain's ready room, essentially, right? And in just busts into this meeting an ensign and someone who has no job on the ship. Like, you're an ensign. You don't just bust into a meeting with the captain and somebody high up on Starfleet. I'm sorry. That that bugged me. Like, you don't just, like, barge in. I'm coming into this meeting because I want to help. You know what it reminded me of, man? Like, I'm going, like, I'm going to go way back on this one. It reminded me of, like, freaking um, Gomer Pyle. USMC. Well, golly. <laughs> like, just busting in and, and giving Sarge heck. Like, that's just what that reminded me of. I watched way yeah. too much Gomer Pyle growing up. Yeah, but then, and then, Moving like, on. Adira busts in and Gray comes in with, with them. They're all coming in. And, like, like Gray really adds almost nothing. Like, as David said, adds basically nothing to this conversation other than to say, well, you can't kill her. That's literally the only thing Great says in Basically. this entire episode. And it's like, yeah, last last episode you were kind of setting her up as the Zora Whisperer. Mm-hmm. The, the whole thing with, with what's going on of, you know, what happens if... Like, like Stamets, like, brings up, like, the very thought that I brought up towards the end. Like, what it, what happens if, you know the computer refuses or the computer's having a really bad day like Zora's having a really bad day and gets angry and wants to fire off some photon torpedoes or shoot somebody out of an airlock shoot someone out of an airlock there we go another recurring joke love it Um, and Kovic is saying what like if I wanted to I could um, extract her 
and like the question becomes like could could she choose her own form could could Zora choose her own form yes yes do we have more like golem bodies like playing around uh, yeah, or something I was thinking the exact same right, thing yeah, we're if we're just gonna keep giving giving bodies to everybody it's that gonna get old real quick yeah real old look look Annabelle um Wallace right Annabelle Wallace the person that, yep Look, she's easy on the eyes. I wouldn't mind seeing her well, um, on Discovery. I'm you just know what saying. This reminds me of, did, did you ever watch Andromeda? It's a, it was a show. It was, you know, created, I saw, like, by, maybe created the... by Gene Roddenberry, and then it said developed by Robert Hewitt Wolf. So it's like an old old notes that Gene Roddenberry had from back in the day that never really made it into a series. But then Robert Hewitt Wolf was yeah. one of the main writers on D Space Nine created the show and it's got Kevin Sorbo you know Hercules as the main character anyway I watched anyway, the first five episodes no, it's of a, it. it's a it's a good show I mean season four is not really that that great but like the first the first two seasons are pretty pretty fantastic actually um anyway the Andromeda the ship the ship the Andromeda Ascendant is the name of the ship um yeah it's basically got an artificial intelligence in it as well that that runs the ship and they make an android that's like the avatar of the ship, right? And the ship's consciousness that run, the artificial intelligence that runs the ship is also inside this android. And so that's all I was thinking of at this moment. It's like, are they going to make like like an, andro- like an Andromeda thing, a little android? And that android was played by Lexa Duig, who, if you know mm-hmm. who she is, she's Michael Shanks, who Daniel Jackson's wife. Like in real she life. Played, um, in real life. And she, she later played, uh, what, General yeah, Landry's... Doc, Dr. La- Dr. Yeah. Lamb. Yeah, General Landry's daughter. Yeah. In, in the later seasons as well. Oh, Shake's like uh, married two people from <clears throat> from that show. Did he? he had two wives out of Stargate, yeah. Did he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Who was the first one? As far uh, as I know, he and Lexa Duig are still married. Yeah, I was... the. I don't remember the, the character's name. It was like... Sorry. We'll talk about it later, Eric. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> all right. Um, but I kept thinking about that the whole time. Are they going to, like, make a body for Zora now? Right? Are they going to give Zora, and she going to be, like, a full, like, walking, talking member of the crew, and she can, like, yeah. pick her form? Because the whole – they're talking about this idea, and Michelle Paradise has said – hey, people want to be seen. And Zora even says at the end, she's like, it's so nice to be seen. And, like, can she pick her own form? I really, I, I, I honestly think that they might be heading there, that they're going to give well, Zora some physical body and she can pick what it looks like. Well, the, the, the only pushback I would give on that is that I, I, think, I think there was, like, a line that Zora had said that basically the ship is her form. Yeah. So I, I think the, that towards she's, the end. you know, kind of latching on to the the ship is like her body, her w- whatever form. So, but yeah, I I had I had the inkling that they would try and give her a, some sort of like physical body or something. I was like, let's just stop. Let's just well, stop. Thing, doing and then this. they can put her in a Starfleet uniform too. Yeah. Like they made her a part of the crew, as she's got the rank of specialist now. So yeah. that was the thing I was thinking, like especially like rewatching Calypso, like. I know that they were like towards the end there was like this dance that was taking place in Calypso and like you know what you you look like or you've you've picked your own form or whatever type of thing in the in the short trek 
Um, I know Eric is definitely not going to like this. Jury's probably out on David on this one. But with the, with the number of callbacks that they've been doing recently with uh, with stuff this season and even kind of last season too, I'm wondering if there is going to be like an EMH kind of vi- like quasi vibe going on where Zora is the computer, but there's like an away mission or something, and there's like somehow like a programmable matter mobile emitter that's being created for Zora to be able to create her own form and go on away missions or walk the decks or whatever. Talk about some deus ex machina stuff. Let's just have this <laughs> millennia old like intelligence <clears throat> go on us in away missions. Well, they, they can't even, they can't even integrate the entire actual physical crew into every episode. Why, why would I need another person when I, can't get I can't even remember the names of half of the bridge crew half the time. And I mean, I don't want to talk about like looking ahead, but the the preview for the second half of this episode, they're gonna bring in more characters. Right? Bring back a character. I don't know if any yep. of you caught that. Yep. So the way that this characters. story the storyline for Zora ends up wrapping up with like you said, she's essentially being commissioned into Starfleet service as a specialist. And that is a great segue, Eric, for us to talk about the other meeting. Okay. So we've assembled a ton of people. The butterfly people are back, everyone. The butterflies are back. Here we go. Or are they moths? Since they're like Yeah, the butterfly um, people. And butterfly people is good. Okay. So they're back. We uh, we have the Ferengi. We have um, some Cardassians. Yep, we we have a, the um, Orion. There's we have a, an Orion. There's a Dorian. There's a Morn. Whatever Morn species is. Yeah. <laughs> um, a Larian. So yeah, Alarian. it starts with an L. I, I forget. Something like that. But like, there's um, there's no there's no Bajorans. There's no Cardassians. Oh, hold on. You know who else there isn't? Who? Klingons. Yeah. Well, no, I understand why there's no Klingons there, right? But like, there's no Cardassians. There's no. Bajorans. There's no. Is there? Was there a trill there? Yes, there was in the yellow. There was, okay. It was the gold. Okay. Gold thing. Yeah. So there's a trill. Um. There was a Vulcan. I, there was. A, well, I don't know if the other person was Several. another. Was another Vulcan or it was a Romulan or it was a hybrid? I don't know uh, yeah. what. Yeah. It looked like another yeah. full Vulcan the way he was talking. Right. And uh, we have someone from Earth. Yes. No longer captain, right? Mm-hmm. We have a general now. General. That's right. Uh, general um, Endoye, I believe, is is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Yes, but but she's not just from Earth. United she Earth now represents Titan. Now represents United, yeah. Titan because they've changed their representate their election laws to be more representative and include more people. And if that isn't commentary on the real world right now. Then nothing is. <laughs> With like the fight over election laws, whatever you think about that, that's absolutely commentary on what's happening right now. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't very subtle, was it? It was a little on the nose. <laughs> Still, just a little bit. I mean, the Discovery is not subtle as a show. <laughs> no. no? You don't think so? <laughs> 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 All right. So 
So we 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 come to this meeting, the meeting of the minds, and um, we're we're trying to figure out like what our next step should be with the DMA. We've we've gathered the data. We we have a general idea of where it's at. We're trying to get more specifics, but we need to know how to act since we've been really rebuilding um, as a galactic community, which I can appreciate, like the like slowing down and taking that into consideration. I, I like that. Um, we're trying to get consensus. Again, I like that. Um, are can we all get on board or mostly get on board with this this next step, whatever it's going to end up being? And we hear. Uh, President Rillick kind of say, hey, here's what's up, and let's hear some other ideas about what the heck to do. And there's a little bit of squabbling that takes place along the way. I'll I'll be honest. Like, when I first watched through this, I I had a very positive reaction to sort of, like, Burnham's speech. But the more I started thinking about it, the more I started saying... But, like, what are we fighting about? Honestly, what are we fighting about? Because essentially you have, hey, we've got a weapon that can, in quotations, destroy our anomaly. Or we go potentially try and diplomatically meet with whoever this species is and see if we can't try and do the peaceful thing. So at first I'm like, yeah, well, that's what the Federation does. You know, we don't automatically fly out in anger and just destruction and everything we, we try and get out there and diplomacy and go meet people and see what's up this could just be a friendly destruction of planets trying to <laughs> something but then again the more I started thinking about it is like wait a minute what's the moral issue here why can't you do both destroy the darn thing and then go meet them and say hey your thing we had to destroy it because it was killing everybody i didn't understand the the the, what we were really angry about here because if it's me i would say do both well well, this is this is the really big problem i have with this um this is a false dichotomy right here we come up with two two scenarios right one is you know aggressive attack right and Who's the first person that suggests we attack it? The one representative from Earth. Gee, I right. wonder what they're trying. The writers are trying to say there. Again, uh-huh. not being very subtle, right? <laughs> the one representative mm-hmm. from Earth is the first person to say, "Attack! Attack! Attack!" Right. So we're gonna attack it, right? Or we're gonna go find out where they are and do diplomacy. Which that's that's the Starfleet way. But but at 100%. one po- at one point like. The president Rillick here, who I've been very complimentary of before, but she's like, the choice is clear. We have only two options, diplomacy or attack. It's like, no, no, this is a false <laughs> dichotomy here. This is a, this is like, it, it, we tend to do this in the world as we try to simplify things as much as we can, and we try to come up with this binary right. option, choice one or choice two, where one of them is right and one of them is wrong, but this is a logical fallacy here, right? It, it totally is. Like, one of these doesn't have to be right and the other doesn't have to be wrong, and these don't have to be the two choices. I'm thinking in my head as I'm watching this, well, a good leader will say this. Let's try diplomacy. Let's go there and let's talk to them. Let's explain what this has done, but let's keep this other option as a backup, right? 
Like, why is it one or the other? It's, it's, it, it, like, ah, it really was frustrating because it's not, it's, it's such an easy solution in my mind. It's not, it's not complicated and there doesn't have to be this fighting. Yeah, let's try diplomacy because that's what the Federation is. And let's keep this backup plan in case diplomacy fails. Well, well right. but, but, but the, the other thing about that is, so if you collapse the, the anomaly, who is that hurting? Well, they, what they said is this weapon that Tarka from a couple episodes ago comes up with is that it, like, it uses something that's banned, a technology that's banned, True. and that, that, True, that could then hurt subspace and potentially hurt the people on the other side, be well, destructive, it, okay. and that could ruin their chances of being diplomatic if they end up and doing something that is harmful sh- to the people on the other sure, end. Sure, but uh, but l- let me just take that take that piece out of it, because yes, I, I I do fully understand that. That's a that's a what if for sure. But let's say you could destroy the DMA without causing some potential for irreparable harm because I mean the harm's not just to the whoever we're eventually going to get towards it's also to the region of space in which it's around so let's take that out of the equation we don't seemingly we don't think that there's anything living inside of one of these rifts it's just it's a device so if we were to destroy the device we collapse the anomaly I mean, yeah, you could potentially think that that's a hostile act. Oh, yeah. Oh, they shut down our thing. How could they? <laughs> well, your but, thing destroyed a planet. Yeah, so in, in that in that way, uh, hey, we collapsed your thing. It was destroying planets. Let's, like, talk. And if they are truly peaceful, then then there you go. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that, yeah, so what was it? Isotonic or isolytic or whatever. Isolytic, weaponry. yeah. Uh, that they were using could potentially cause some sort of harm, possibly, I guess. But at the same token, when did we stop trying to protect protect those who can't protect themselves and also not try diplomacy? When did we stop trying to do both? Because there's a potential you could do both. Discovery doesn't have to do both of these missions. Like, no. it can do one or the other, and you have other ships. Yeah, you have... Lots of other ships. Like, uh, lots of other but ships, But yeah. we know that this show is called Star Trek Discovery, a.k.a. the Michael Burnham show. And so, yes, every problem has to be solved with the Discovery. So it is. Discovery is going to take the point, and they're, they're the only ship that can do this, so it has to be one or the other. Yeah, it, ju- it just, to Eric's point, it, it seemed like an illogical fallacy. It didn't seem like it was actually gunning towards some true moral dilemma at all and and, and Mm -hmm. like i said that was upon kind of a rehash or a rewatch of what i had already saw because i my first initial gut reaction was like wow they really don't give a crap about starfleet starfleet principles and it's just burnham who is having to educate them and also is voting on behalf of the president or uh, on behalf of the federation in this particular thing where did vance go today is was he not on the call sheet uh but anyway yeah they couldn't afford to pay him by the letter apparently (laughs) (laughs) but i was i was like oh yeah great burnham's like extolling the virtues of starfleet that's cool you know that's growth uh, but then go back and look at it it's like okay yeah but it's not really that big of a problem 
Yeah. yeah. But Burnham has extolled the virtues of Starfleet many times over the course of this show. That's like what she does, right? At the end of season one, right? She gives this big speech when the war is over, right? When she gets to the future, she's explaining to Book, right? The Federation's not just ships. It's a shared vision. Like, that's a Michael Burnham thing, right? She's got to get out there. Yeah, but I I just... True. No, you're you're right. I just didn't necessarily feel like it was so self righteous as it had been. I agree. Or with or, David. or with a false note, because I I mean, yeah, she's given the speeches in the past, but they always sort of felt a little bit overly self indulgent, very or much nostalgic, so. or hit a mm-hmm. false note. And this actually felt more like I am actually trying to push forward the ideals of the Federation in a way that is not just me jumping in and doing everything, but we are all in this now, like it used to be. So I want to I want to um, kind of backtrack on, on this idea of guns blazing or peace sign up type of thing that we're kind of dealing with for a second. Um, there, a couple years ago, like it or not, there was this dumb little thing that was making the rounds through social media it was like a a stupid craze and it was the whole what color is this dress (laughs) y'all remember that yeah it was blue and gold it was the blue right so yeah the choices were it's either black and blue or it's uh, what white and gold or something like that Okay. and I think that this is a I think this is a a pretty good uh, parallel to that dumb little thing that was was making the rounds. So we have, let's be diplomatic or let's blow them out of the sky and like destroy crap. People are going to see things no matter how much you try and say it to them. They're only going to see something one way. And that's what this, this, I think, narrative is, is trying to push. That no matter how much truth, no matter how much whatever you try and spit at them, if they only see a black and blue dress, that's all they're ever going to see. They're never, ever going to be able to see the, the, the gold and the white like you might see it. And it's that you can both be right, right? It, it, it's like, a, it's in, in a way, you can both be right in terms of, of what something is or is not. And I think that that's kind of wrapped up in this story with with how we do this like yeah yes i i hear 100 percent with what's being said about like this this false idea that's going on that's either my way or the highway type of thing you can have both we can try diplomacy if it doesn't work then yeah we go do the more aggressive thing yes 100 percent. but we have so many people nowadays that are just focused on no it is only white and gold mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know what you're talking about it's only white and gold so um, maybe something to kind of take away from like that, just this little, little tiny exchange, represented by Book and Burnham, and how they can't see eye to eye for once. But I, I also on I also have to say something like I think two things. First, this is why I think the Klingons weren't here because they just want to attack, right? This is clearly there. It's an attack on us. We have to attack with full force, like whatever we need to do, right? That, I mean, who knows how much the Klingons have changed in 
930 years, right? Or 800 They're back years. to being the California raisins, I'm just right. saying. Anyway, who knows? But the other point is, I think, I think one of the reasons why, maybe, I'm trying to come up with a reason why President Rillick, you know, puts this as, like, in, an either or a binary choice when it really shouldn't be mm-hmm. is she's trying to create some sense of unity here right she's saying sure okay we it, it's not one or it ha, it's like is there some way we can agree on something right we're not a united federation of planets anymore we're fractured right we're trying to build back and we've got member worlds that aren't part of the federation but like if we're getting together and talking and doing this, maybe we can reach some kind of consensus to, to create unity, which totally ends up failing in her face, right? But maybe that's the... I'm trying to find a reason why she's putting it in this either-or binary situation. Sure. So, you know, in between, like, the talky stuff that's happening on a multi-tier thing, meeting area. Uh, we have Rillick and a book that are talking about this and like taking your moment and making it count and um, we need to partner together so that we can rule the galaxy as father and son type of thing going on. Um, which they, I mean, spoilers, they, they ultimately do uh, at the end of this episode. Not the ruling the galaxy, but they partner together. Who does? Relic and book. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, like, but no, like, not, 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 not Relic. Not Relic. Tarka. Ru- Tarka. Ru- I'm sorry. Ru- Good Tarka, grief. Right. Good. Sorry. Right. Tarka. So, yes. So, Tarka and book. Here's the thing. Let's let, like Ruan Tarka <laughs> shows back up. Um, you know, typically, the guy who decides to use a to build a weapon. I don't even know if it's really a weapon. I mean, I think maybe he calls it a weapon, but. I don't know if it, if it really is, but typically the guy who builds a weapon yeah. using band technology is probably not the voice of reason in the room. It's probably not the good guy. Probably not the guy who you want to side with. Just saying. But Eric, <laughs> just, this is the. I'm just saying. <laughs> But, but it's, Eric, it's, this, fi- it's Final Frontier. He can't help but notice your pain. I'm telling you, this guy is just recreating the Final Frontier so that he can go to some magical place beyond the barrier and, with all the power in the world and his secret weapon. It's it's the same thing. <sighs> Eric, I've been waiting to ask you about this. Okay. Another universe okay. has come... So 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 let let's Party. let's talk about this. Like like Tarka here, he is saying, right, I need to basically destroy this because there's a device inside of it that can essentially help me create a doorway, a gateway to another universe. And book is like the mirror universe. And again, here we get to this. The show it this, this is a weird thing in the show. It's like we're presenting one option as binary, diplomacy or attack. But now here we're saying, wait, why are you thinking so binary, right? Why does it have to be our universe <laughs> and the myriad? In the same episode, yeah. it's like, did this, how, how many writers did this episode have? Like, who's writing this? Because it was, it's so That's weird. It's question. so weird. Like, one moment yeah. binary, the next, not everything has to be so binary. He's like, I'm from a 
he's but no and this is what i want to talk about he's not actually from another universe that this is like i've been reading some reviews that are saying he's from another universe that's not what i got out of it i got out of it he's from this universe because he's saying i want to go to a new home and i'm gonna go there because that's where like my partner right you know did he escape did he not when i escaped from osiris because he's saying like i was a prisoner of osiris and she was making me do all these science technology projects. And so I we wanted to escape to get to this new home world, to this new dimension. So I see a lot of people online that are saying he's from a different universe, but that's not what I took away from it. No. Sure. Yeah, I didn't see that either. But that'd be something though. But like No like it right wouldn't Chase, no, it wouldn't be like, anything, it'd be stupid. I mean listen, there are like look I, I like the multiverse. Like, there's a huge movie out right now that's talking about the multiverse, there. right? It just made a billion dollars in like two weeks, right? <laughs> this is like this has been this has been a conversation that's been nonstop in my house for several weeks now. I just I just finally finished watching Loki, and there's a whole bunch of multiverse stuff in that too. And I'm like, what is what is the deal with like the obsession with multiverse right now. I'm just saying, but yeah, like we're just take we're taking another beat at at doing the multiverse thing, potential multiverse thing, um, creating the Star Trek universe um, as Kurtzman has put out. Um, whatever you think about that, but um, I'm interested to see what happens and what this other random universe is. Maybe it's the Kelvin universe. Maybe we're trying to like bring it actually officially into the fold. Or maybe when Discovery went to the future, they crossed over. They couldn't have crossed over into the Kelvin universe because Vulcan still exists as a planet, right? Mm-hmm. I was like trying to. Is there some way we can explain this away? <laughs> you get you got you guys are missing the most obvious thing that this is clearly going to be, and that this guy is a madman and he oh. wants a device for power and he wants to destroy stuff. 100%. Well, it's, it's always what it is. It's it's like that episode. It really gets maligned. It's an original series episode. It's called Oh, what's it called? It's the guy's name is Lazarus, right? The alternative factor, right? It really gets maligned, but it's like the alternative factor where it's, this one guy is crossing between two different universes and in one universe he's like the good guy and he's trying to stop his evil variant counterpart from the other universe. A variant. Right? Right? The alternative factor. Right? It's really it gets maligned as like a really terrible episode. I don't think it's all that terrible but I can understand why some people hate it. But yeah, this guy just does want power, I think. Right? I think I think. I mean, but like, is that too like evil villainy? Like should, should we be trying well, his, to do his, something his, else his ex- other than just make well, this it, evil it, villain? Look, nobody in their right mind is going <laughs> to believe some a-hole. And that's what his character is. That is creating weird bombs with banned ingredients. And, oh, no. I'm totally going to use this. Oh, you want my backstory? Uh, yeah, me and my friend that were in prison, we wanted to go find ourselves a new place where science rules. Uh, come on. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it's such a lame cover that it makes me 
want to smack book, but you know what? They're just who was Michael's first boyfriend? I can't remember. Oh, the Ash name. Tyler. They are going to Ash Tyler book, which is actually one of the things that I hate the most. That's the feeling I get because look, he's going rogue. He's gonna do something stupid, and I feel like they're gonna kill him off. Who, and I think book? that that's dumb. Yes. You think Book's gonna die, huh? That they, they are gonna Ash Tyler him quicker than uh, he's done. I mean, what what happens? What happens when they catch up to say they catch up to him and we save the universe once again? Well, love will conquer all. Michael Burnham will forgive uh-uh. him because she loves him, and love, oh yes, love she'll, can she'll, overcome that, right? Isn't that the, that's and the then, message, and then, right? Love. Well, yeah, conquers and then, and then all. Vance and, Van, and then Vance and Relic just come in slowly from the background with shackles, with manacles, just like, hey, yes, love. Doctor Gerardi didn't all. go to jail. All you need is right? love, and then they go to jail. Well, that's you know that's different. They're... But okay, like here's my problem with book right now, like. Last up, like he he was first he was dealing with survivor's guilt, right? He had survivor's right. guilt, and then we had where he went to Navarre and he had this mind meld with Rillick and seemed like he was getting over it. He was trying to, you know, move past his survivor guilt. And then when we found out it was not artificial, it was artificial, not natural. His guilt turned to anger, right? And then last week we had his father show up and said. You have to be more angry. You have to go attack, 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 attack. Stop this thing. And Book was like, no, I don't have to do that. I don't have to be angry. But now the very next episode, we're like, Book's back to his anger, and he has to go attack, 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 attack. So I'm very confused with with this emotional roller coaster that Book is going on in this season. It's because they're going to Ash Tyler him. So... I'm going to like completely throw a wrench and like completely derail this conversation right now. I'm thinking back to, I don't know, an early episode of this season with, um, I don't know, book and, uh, Stamets. They go on a little outing together to, uh, to, to see what's up. And, uh, Stamets, decides that um, or, or it's decided for him that he's going to be doing some kind of neural link right so he can virtually hang out on book ship while they do the thing what is stopping anyone in this century from you know using that to go investigate the DMA I mean like it's a safety thing like you can't get hurt if anything happens, the link is severed and you're just fine in your bunny slippers eating popcorn while your virtual, you know, your digital self-image, right, is is disrupted. Like, wh- why do we have to make this such a big deal? Why, why are we making it a bigger deal than it is to, you know, either fight or not fight, to go or to not go? Like, all this binary crap when we can just hook up to a neural link, you know, just... B- be there but not be there and boom be home in time for supper like wh- why can't we do that you can't just science away drama baby it's just <laughs> not the business you created the science <sighs> but only for certain things because the plot great demands science it. comes great responsibility <laughs> all right all right uncle spock 
Thanks, buddy. All right. I think I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's I, it. I mean, I think that's it. All right. Well, this uh, this has I think been the shortest review of an episode that we've done ever, uh, content-wise for for the review. So, um, let's move into our uh, our deltas and our numbers. So let's start with our deltas. Um, so if this is your first time listening, delta ratings. We're looking at the different branches, different divisions of um, Starfleet service. Command with leadership stuff, um, engineering and operations with techno babble, logistics, you know, that sort of thing. And then science, well, being science. So uh, let's kick this off with Eric. Well, I think, I think there's no engineering going on. Like, I think we've been saying this for a long time. Like, does this show, is this show interested in engineering our way out of any problems? And I think the answer is no, right? Um, yeah, there's a science project that is offered up to, like, solve our problem here. Solve in air quotes, right? Like, uh, hey, I have an idea. I can build this machine through science, and I know for certain it will kill this thing. So there's some, there is a science idea, a science concept. Um, you, can, you can maybe say that, like, there is the science of, I don't know if you want to call, like, psychology a science. I don't know if you do or not, um, but there's, like, maybe, psychology maybe is some, considered some a science. neuroscience going on helping us, you know, with Zora. So there's a little bit going on there. Um, okay. I'm really disappointed in the leadership that is displayed in this episode. Like, President Rillick has been awesome up until now. Like, literally, in everything she's done, she's been, like, an awesome leader. But I think this, like, she falls flat on her face here with everything that she tries to accomplish. And she's clearly, like, trying to manipulate Burnham to, like, be her voice, right? And Burnham doesn't even... Maybe she sees it, maybe she doesn't, but she doesn't try to stop herself from being manipulated. So, like, I've been very complimentary of Michael Burnham, too, which is, like, coming from me, it's like, very strange. That's weird. Very, very strange, considering how much I, like, literally trashed her character in previous seasons. Um, I'm just, I'm really disappointed in the leadership that I saw here. I think this whole meeting that they had was a big fail. So... Yay for science, boo for everything else. Okay, all right. What do you got, David? I don't know if I can agree agree about the science because I mean, isn't isn't science the pursuit, not just the finished product? I, I mean, I I know that that has even become a something that people argue about nowadays. But so he brings a bomb. Cool. Hey, uh, he, well, he also presented a, sport, a little mini spore drive thing too, which, I, you know, that was more impressive to me. But there was no explanation, really. It was just kind of like, here's my thing. Well, we, we've heard in the previous episode that he and Aurelio, the the guy from last season, were working on that. Yeah, but I actually want to see them working on it. Like, explain it with techno babble. Like, give me made up terms that we have to add to Merriam Webster's dictionary later on or something like That's that. That's right. I just want to see a, a static warp shell again, for God's sake. But, you know, we, we just. 
I feel like we skim so much over the science and engineering and just present a finished product because even even finding the coordinates Stamets really didn't do a ton of legwork they basically just made Zora do it it's like hey compute this Zora have fun that's not really legwork at all so yes you could technically say that there's some science there because the end result shown but there I didn't see any pursuit of it which just sort of irritates me a bit and then as far as leadership I mean I agree with the, with the relic stuff she's always she's been a pretty you know favorite character here I think from everybody but to boil everything down to these sort of pseudo choices that don't seem to jive very well in my head doesn't really help me out when I, when I'm trying sure. to look for leadership um, so I don't know if I can really if I would consider giving a delta for any of it this week personally okay. it just sort of seemed like a transition episode it's like hey let's run as quick as we can to the break and then we'll we'll figure it out later. Yeah, but I will say, hold on. The okay. atomic bomb, right? You said, oh, this guy brought a bomb. The atomic bomb is an incredible scientific achievement. Like, the amount of science uh, that yeah. went into that is incredible. Say what you will about what yeah, it, it can do later and what it can be used for, right? So, like, the amount of science that had to go into creating Tarka's device here is probably an incredible achievement. Oh, yeah, and, and, and trust me, I, I am not disputing that whatsoever. And, and it was in the preview that it said he needed 24 hours to build his thing, so maybe there will actually be something related to that. But there, there's no lead-up. There's no explanation. It's just, here's what I have. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not holding my breath, though, that we're going to actually get an explanation, though, like when it comes to like that however long, 24, what, whatever, random other numbers they're going to throw at us. I'm not holding my breath on that at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, and this maybe kind of like will eventually lead into my, um, my, my number rating for today. But um, I mean, I, this is like, I think two weeks in a row that I was actually pretty happy with Burnham for the most part, which is kind of crazy. Um, like, like you we were talking about earlier, like when it came to like the, the ideals and, not not just that, but like taking a stand, right? Um, being steadfast, right? Um, even in the face of like um, like your peers and your loved ones kind of looking down on you uh, for like your your opinion and your stance. Like I'm gonna I'm, this is gonna be a reach on this one, but I think that's leadership to a certain extent, like you're willing to do the unpopular thing for the good of others. Um, so I'm going to give a little bit, I'm going to give a little, I'm going to give a little bit of an inch on that one when it comes to like the leadership and like how she's handling herself as a leader in that moment with the assembly. Um, I want more techno babble for Pete's sake. Like I want, I, I just want just, just put something like Zora, just put something on the freaking projector, like Scotty, Jordy, Torres, Tucker, just put someone on there, like just saying something, you know, that that's fine. Like I'll, I'll give you something for that. Just give me, give me some engineering. Give me, like, I want to hear some Awusakun, right? Like doing something having to do with ship operations. Like, let's hear some stuff. 
please give me some stuff like from that division. I'm, I'm like hungry for it for crying out loud. We didn't get people going into engineering just because they said something done happened or, you know, that just because something just like showed up, like there was dialogue that inspired future engineers of different types to go forward and to do things. Let's inspire another generation and have more of like the techno babble that can eventually become reality. We just did a whole episode on freaking uh, gadgets of the future for crying out loud. It was, I mean, it was a drive-by fruiting, but we did it nonetheless because people were inspired by Star Trek. Let's hear some of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll give science. Like, sure, I'll give science. But like, I think I'm kind of like the surprise one with just a little bit of the leadership. I'm going to give a little bit on that. Um, let's roll. Let's roll into our numbers. Dave, why don't you kick us off with with number ratings? Uh, and for anyone that's listening uh, for the first time, again, number ratings we're looking at um, one to ten. One being a dumpster fire, ten being fantastic, amazing, out of this world, whatever you want to call it. Um. I think aside from last week, I'd been probably one of the more complimentary uh, people as far as scoring for a lot of this season. I thought they were going in a lot of the right direction. And then they laid this steaming pile of crap on my doorstep, and I had to step on it because it was on fire. <laughs> Look, that's a little rough. That's that's a little too much. Just a wee bit, yeah. It wasn't... It. I did. I didn't really enjoy this episode very much. I think that, you know, we're, we're, we take a lot of liberties with characters. I think the really the the thing that I enjoyed the most was like Stamets's sort of his his speech, his reasoning, his logic. Um, but yeah, it just I don't care about the computer. I don't. I don't really care about Zora. I, I'm sorry. I just don't. And as we keep talking about this choice of what we're supposed to do, the more it just irritates me because it's not a, it's not a choice. You could do both. It, it's not logical to, to think that you can't defend yourself but also still be diplomatic. You can do both. So I just, I have a problem with the premise of the episode and then the more I think about it, the more I start to think about this this dumb pause that we're doing, this mid-season pause thing. And it feels like we're dumping off characters, like we're doing nothing with Gray, so why are they here? No offense, but why are they here if you're not going to do anything with them? Adira's conceivably gone for at least an episode because uh, they're going with Gray to Trill, to do Trill things. Cool, fine. Uh, But we just keep sort of floating people away and, and we're not we're, there's still no character development there's still no character development I'm, you know you, you, you crave science terms I just crave some character development now thankfully I will say that the only thing that, that did kind of resonate with me was actually believing that Michael Burnham was not just selling me Kool-Aid but it actually made like a really nice lemonade like put some effort into it like bought lemons and sugar and made it herself and really believes in it and is selling it to you and and, and it's like this is great this isn't just terrible kool-aid no offense to people who like kool-aid but it's gross <laughs> so i i just i just didn't really care for it and i really hope that they can kick it back off 
when they get back and they and they start trying to do some stuff again, but 6.2. Okay, so this episode is not a steaming pile of turd crap, like David just said, right? On fire. Yeah, a flaming pile of turd crap that somebody threw in a brown paper bag on my front porch. It's not that. Is it great? No. But I love the attempt of this episode, okay? I love what this episode attempted to do. It totally failed in its execution, but the idea behind it is genius. It just failed. And and more than anything, what I came away from this episode feeling was frustrated. I'm just frustrated because it was it was there like the seed the, the the seed was there and you were so close so close yet so far away i love the idea of slowing down right discovery has been a go 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 show right throughout its entire history it's just all go and people on the internet complain that it's too much of an action show and it's not enough of a science show and then it slows down and now those same internet people that are complaining about so much action are like well where's the action like what do you want people like I mean I should just stop listening to those people but now from the preview that we saw at the end it looks like it's going to kick back up the action right it looks like it um so I love the idea of slowing this down and okay now we're just going to talk it out let's talk it out because we need to do that we need some diplomacy we need to build a consensus we need to bring people together and work on this we're you know we we all thought that this season would be about you know trying to rebuild the federation and this is a moment where we could be doing that we can try to bring people to there's a crisis Nothing brings people together like a crisis. Nothing separates people like a crisis either, right? But nothing brings people together like a crisis where we can all come together and try to work our way through this problem together. And I love the idea of trying to do that, but pre- presenting this this, you know, you know, this false dichotomy, this logical fallacy here, it's such an easy problem to solve that it like the way they presented this meeting was just awful and like like the evil science guy like come on he's literally evil science guy (laughs) and then and then like going to like the Zora of it all this is essentially you know measure of a man 30 years later right it's the same basic idea and I think Chase even said it last week I don't want another measure of a man but that's basically essentially what that was. There are things to like about that because I like the fact that, yeah, this is a sentient AI, but it's not an evil AI, right? Like, so we've seen evil AIs and evil computers. Like, Lower Decks just made a big joke of it that I thought was hilarious, right? right la- this past season, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like they put they they finally put it in a room and then it pulled back and there were all the other like evil AI computers and that was hilarious. Right, right, right. But I love the fact that this like <laughs> Zor is not the evil AI and like Stamets was so worried that like you know we we just we just 
it was control and we had to stop this evil AI and now like we've got an AI that's acting out of like compassion and I like that there was something different there and it wasn't like Zora wasn't choosing not to obey orders because hey I know better than you and I'm gonna go do my own thing she was doing it because I don't want you to get hurt by doing this so I like that and there was so much good there but then it just wasn't as frustrating it just I'm just frustrated by this episode and gray is a I'm sorry gray is a pointless character at this point like there's no point to this character and now we're just kicking them off the ship right and Adira Adira is a trill I keep forgetting that Adira has a trill they brought it up in this episode like hey I'm the first human who's ever been host to a trill symbiote well is anything coming of this are you learning any information to help us through your your trill symbiote no so it's like what's the point and I'm just this show is just frustrating and I'm long and rambling because I don't have a number yet because this episode is just leaving me frustrated <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying to come up with a number as I'm rambling here because the idea the idea of this is brilliant the idea of this episode is brilliant it is just executed incredibly poorly and so I think I'm just going to give it like a 7.25 okay Right. So I guess that leaves it with me to to try and make sense of of everything. Um, yeah, the, the the stuff that I've been saying about Zora has uh, has become a reality of sorts. We, like you said, we got we did get Measure of a Man, kind of like part two slash diet Measure of a Man or something like that with this and I, I just I don't need I mean I don't need more and more of this stuff popping up um, like rehashes of old stories basically like yes we've done like rehashes of old stories but like I don't need it so on the nose so to speak you know um, I didn't mind this episode I, I wasn't doing anywhere near as many hard eye rolls as I've done in the past which I think is, is a good thing in the grand scheme of things um, I think the only like one of the, the big negative things for me is there really wasn't much with Culber like Culber's like Culber and Rillick are my two favorite characters this season and there really wasn't much in the way of Culber he was like like set dressing that was about it um, per, I, I, I think I would rather Zora um, be turned into like an EMH with a mobile emitter for crying out loud or put into a golem body keep eyes on her type of thing instead of her hiding in the walls that's just me um, I would much rather that sort of thing happen this is an episode that I don't think I would mind watching again. Um, like Eric, I agree. Like this is, um, I think this is a really good story um, that just kind of, it's, I think it started out well and then it just kind of like slowly lost its momentum and just kind of just stopped just like um, before it even hit like the finish line. 
Um, I don't hate this episode. Um, see, last week I gave Stormy Weather a 7-4. I mean, I think for me... I don't know. I'm probably going with like... I'll probably just go like with a straight 7 on this one. It was it was pretty average, I would say. Uh, but n- I didn't, I, not as good as uh, what I thought Stormy Weather was. And I know David last time wasn't too keen on that one. He gave it a six and a half uh, for Stormy Weather last time, and Eric gave it an eight. So And I gave it a seven four. So I'm just going with a straight seven. All right. Well, that's it. Um, I mean, we still have like one more thing we need to do, but I mean, we're obviously we're taking a pause on Discovery until what is it? February 10th. Uh, February 10th. Yeah. Is when the next episode comes out, which means next time we get to talk about Star Trek Prodigy. There we go. There we go. I know we all really enjoyed Star Trek Prodigy. I'm pretty sure we all enjoyed Star Trek Prodigy. So, um, but before we get out of here, let's, let's talk about the reason everyone listens to this podcast. And that's the Twitter poll. Here we go. So I polled the people of the Twitter and, um, here's the, here's the question. Here's the poll. What is your most preferred Star Trek theme song so far? The choices were discovery, lower decks, Picard. Any thoughts from the gallery? Just the new Trek theme songs? Yep. Just from new Trek so far. Well, Picard's is weird because it, it it's just, it, it feels like nothing. It's like, I don't even, like, it's like, okay, like, it's there. And I've never <laughs> been a fan of the Discovery intro. It's like, hey, here's some B-roll footage. And, like, I don't like the, um, the actual images of the Lower Decks one because it's like, hey, look, we're the Cerritos and we're running away. But I do think that the music feels like a Star Trek intro. So I'm going to go with Lower okay. Decks. Okay, Eric's going with Lower Decks. What would you go with, David? Um, I, I don't mind Discovery's theme as much. It's kind of a m- mismatch, though. And yeah, I to be honest, I don't even remember Picard. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember the theme music for that at all. So, I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, L- 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 Lower Decks, fine. We all know what it really is. Outside of the parameters of your Twitter poll, it's Deep Space Nine's dirge, right? It's Deep Space Nine. <laughs> no, those what are All those right. called? Those big drum things that in an orca timpanis. When those things go off in the Voyager theme at the beginning. That's amazing. Those those big drum things when they go off at the beginning of Voyagers are pretty amazing. Yeah, man. All right. So here's the result. Going starting in third place. So with twenty six point seven percent of the vote for most preferred Star Trek theme song. Third place goes to Discovery. Big sh- I don't know. Maybe that's a shocker. I don't know. All right. Second place 
with 33.3%, so a third of the vote, basically. Lower decks. Yeah, I know, right? Which means Picard won it with 40% of the vote. Now, there needs to be a follow-up poll to this poll saying, how many of you actually recall this and are not voting on it strictly because of Patrick Stewart? Come on. Yeah, it's like... It's, it's very, like, somber, isn't it? And it's, like, quiet. Pensive. Okay. It's very pensive, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a very reflective, There's pensive like, like piece of music. That's for like sure. The music thing, and like, the actual visuals, right? What? Kind of. Yes, but that was also because they were right, building a robot yeah. Picard. Yeah. Um, and the visuals always hint at what's going to happen in the season. And they changed the vision. Like, from the Kurtzman era, they changed the, the stuff, minus Lower Decks, to tell you kind of like what's coming at you. So, pay attention to the opening credits once Picard Season 2 happens. I don't know. We'll we'll do it next time. We'll we'll try and see what the other um, uh, Star Trek theme songs how they fare with um, with the people of the Twitter. So in the in the original one, right? <laughs> well, but it starts it starts in season two. She's swear. literally like screaming in the background of that. <laughs> she is. Is that not what she's doing? <laughs> <laughs> is it Eric? Is that what she's me, doing? You're not gonna get screaming in the background. And, and you notice how none of us wanted to try and none of us wanted to try and just well, do a I've replication done it before of that on the podcast. And I think that's what Chase was trying to get me to do, but I'm not doing it again. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, that's it. That's the show, everyone. <laughs> Good grief, we're ending like a half hour early. This is crazy. This is crazy. All right. Everyone, uh, thank you for tuning in. And make sure you um, you stay up to date with uh, what's going on with the show. Also, what's going on with Star Trek. Remember, Discovery is not back for just a little over a month. We have uh, Season 1 of Prodigy. I believe we're going to be finishing up, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with the next five episodes coming out next week, starting on January 6th on uh, Paramount Plus in the United States. So um, make sure you stay on top of that, and we will be back talking about that and seeing how that pans out. So um, anyways, if you want to check us out and learn more about us, trtvpod.com. You can share your show ideas and um, leave some comments there on the Hailing Frequencies portion of our page. You can also find out ways to um, support the show, um, sh- you know, help grow the show by telling your friends and family and coworkers and whoever else about it. Tell them what you like about it. Tell us what you like about it for Pete's sake. Send us an email. You can send us an email at trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit, um, and I got nothing witty to say beyond that. Um, other than that, if you do want to mail us something, you know, like um, a portable, you know, plug-and-play spore drive. That's cool. Make sure it gets to the Lone Star Station P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for listening, and as always, remember to boldly go and make it so. Mm-hmm.